Amen. Thank you, worship team. If you have your Bibles, would you open them to Matthew chapter 6? And uh, uh, we're going to continue our series. Uh, we're talking about prayer. And, but in our moments of tragedy, you know, I got, got my mind thinking, in our moments of tragedy, in our moments of utter dependence upon God, uh, no one really questions prayer. No one really has any issues with prayer or the God who's addressed. Um, this week, there's been no backlash from atheist interest groups or there's no um, religious, I'm sorry, there's no uh, political activists, you know, crying out for separation of, of church and state or religious activities from the norm. Um, the, the world has been really silent on that and and so it got me to thinking a little bit about how we accept God and we accept prayer and, uh, in our tragedies. Uh, my uncle on Facebook, he pastored for many years, he made this comment. He said, it is interesting how tragedy elicits an acknowledgement of God. You know, and as I began to ponder that, I was like, you know, tragedy does a lot of times when you and I face tragedies, all of a sudden we're God's right-hand man. All of a sudden we're depending on God. And, and so as I begin to ponder all of these, I, 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 I came up with kind of this rhetorical question that, that's really my conclusion here. But um, how come the world accepts prayer and the God of our prayer in the face of tragedy? How come it always has to be in the face of tragedy? And while I admire the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals for their stance and for what they were doing, and I admire the boldness of Dan Orlovsky on ESPN, uh, as an American, I felt a little bit hypocritical. Because why is it that we pray during tragedies, but we don't pray the rest of the time? Right? Prayer should be something that is not only done in our deepest, darkest times, but prayer should be frequent, ongoing conversation with our Savior. That's really what prayer is. And so last week we started a series that's entitled Prayer Changes Everything. And I honestly believe that. Do you guys believe that? Prayer changes everything. And so last week we looked at kind of the right approach to prayer. What is the right attitude that you and I should have for our prayers? And, uh, and Jesus in Matthew 6 was kind of calling out a little bit of the Jewish leaders there. You would think of all the people who would understand prayer, it would be the, the Jewish rabbis. But oftentimes they found themselves praying in all the wrong places for all the wrong reasons. And the Jewish rabbis would stand out in public. They would stand on soapboxes even um, at times. They would pray out loud to the, the, the public, the masses, and their goal now isn't necessarily to touch the throne of heaven or to touch God's heart, but their purpose was to advertise their own holiness. To say, look at me, look at how spiritual I am. And Jesus begins to correct them in that mentality and in that thinking. And, and he says, that's not the right way to pray. This is how you should do things. And he begins to talk about the right approach to prayer and how we need to pray in silence and, and to take our prayer requests unto God. And so 
we're going to pick up right where we left off. Last week was the right approach to prayer. This week we're going to look at how to pray. Because in Matthew 6, 9, Jesus begins a segment and he teaches us how to pray. Verse 9, and that's where I want to start reading. This is in red letters. This is Jesus talking. This then is how you should pray. Which, by the way, is the title of my sermon today, How to Pray. Jesus says this, and you're very familiar with this, I'm sure. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so today as we dive into this topic, how to pray, some of us might not know exactly how to pray how to pray the right way or we might feel a little apprehensive about it uh, we might not know the proper protocol we might not know a way that's acceptable in church or acceptable in our peers and and I think a lot of times when I'm unsure about how to proceed you know what I do I ask someone for a, a pointer I ask someone for a little help Hey, if you just give me a direction and send me in that direction, I can usually figure the rest out on my own. I can find that out. And so I think what Jesus does here in his prayer is he gives us three directions. And so that's what I want to talk to you today about. Three directions that Jesus points us in when we pray. Three directions Jesus points us in when we pray. And the first direction is really rather obvious. It's pretty simple. Jesus points us upward. He points us upward. In verse 9, he says, this is how you should pray. And so Jesus is kind of taking his disciples and he's setting the gold standard. This is how you should do it. Meaning this is the proper way to do it. I found out that how God does things and how Jesus does things is always a great place to start in life. A lot of times you will find in life there are a lot of people that are telling you what to do, what you should do, when you should do it, how you should do it. But I found out in all my experiences that God's way always works best. His way is always the best way. And so Jesus here is setting the gold standard. We can pray in a lot of different ways, but Jesus says this is how we should pray pray he recommends it it sounds simple that our prayer should be upward unto God sometimes I speak to larger crowds and someone from the audience will ask a question and I won't immediately know who asked that question and so sometimes I will have to kind of take my hands and put it over the lights so that I can see the audience better to identify who it is that I need to address. 
And I think this is probably the absolute most important part of our prayers is, is to know who we are praying to. Know who we're praying to. Know who we are addressing. And Jesus gives us maybe something so deeply profound. It's so revolutionary to the first century. And he says that when we pray, who are we to pray to? We are to pray to our Father. Our Father. And this is so revolutionary. I'm going to tell you why it was revolutionary here in a second. It's revolutionary for a couple of reasons. Um, to the first century Jew, uh, Jesus is using, and he's speaking in the Greek, and the Greek word here for father is pater, P-A-T-E-R, pater. And, uh, and so this literally means father, okay? So he's saying, pray to your father. We still use this same word today in the English in different ways. If we're saying something is from your male side of the family, we would say that that's your paternal side of the family, as opposed to the wife's side, which is the fraternal. Um, it, maternal, not fraternal. That's, uh, that's when you go to college, right? You join a maternal. There it is. I'm sorry. Where's my mind today? Maternal. But, um, but if you were to take a test to determine who the father is of your child, you would call that a paternity test. So, so we still use that word. We understand that potter means father literally but uh, and Jesus spoke that because his audience was mostly Greek but we're more closely associated uh, in the Bible with the Aramaic equivalent of that which is Abba and you probably heard that we call God Abba father Abba is an intimate term that's used throughout the Bible to characterize a close personal relationship with God so the implication here is that God is in heaven, God is almighty, God is the creator, but he is also literally our father. And this was a revolutionary concept to the first century Jew. This was revolutionary that God was literally our father. Because they understood, Father, um, that God is the father of Israel. He's the father of all of it. He's the father of all of creation. And they would use the word father in such a general sense, much like you and I might say George Washington is the father of America. Like it's general. It's a symbolic fathership. And that's the way that they understood God. God is supreme and he's this big heavenly being out there. He's the father of everything. But Jesus changes all of that when he uses this terminology. He says, no, he is literally our father. Which means he behaves literally like our father. That he cares for you and I as a father does to his child. That he looks after us. Um, uh, and he treats you and I like sons and like daughters. He bestows his very best on you and me because we are his bloodline. We are his heirs. He is our father. And so when Jesus is praying, he's saying, guess what? When you pray, you're not just to pray to a higher power. You're not just supposed to pray to the 
big man upstairs. You're not just supposed to pray to Almighty God or the Father of all creation. You're not just supposed to pray to Father in a symbolic way. You're supposed to pray to God as your Father in a literal way. You have that close relationship with God Almighty. We learned from Chris Tomlin that he's a good, good father. Right? That's who you are. That's who you are. You don't want me to sing anymore. That's it. Did I tell you I'm thankful for our worship team? So thankful for those guys that can sing. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a great example of an earthly father. Maybe your earthly father uh, has been less than desirable. Maybe ungodly. Maybe your earthly father has been non-existent in your life. I want you to know that you have a greater father who is in heaven. You have an Abba father that you can always rely on. He always comes through. He's always faithful. He's always just. And he loves you like a child. That is the relationship that Jesus is saying. When we pray, we are to pray to God like that. Not like God is far off and God is distant. But pray to him like God is our father standing right next to us. God, I, this, is, this is what I need. Not only does Jesus tell us that God is a father, but he uses a personal possessive pronoun when he says he is our father. He's our father. Which means he's my father, but guess what? He's also your father. And he's your father. He is our father together. Which means that when we pray, we are connected to a global network of, of other Christians, of children of God. We are connected to the kingdom. He's my father. He's also your father. Our signifies that you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are connected. You are never ever more connected to God and connected to others than when you are praying. When you are praying, you are connected in a global sense. And here's the best part that Jesus recommends. He says we are to pray upwards. Where is our Father? Verse 9 says, our Father who is in heaven. We're praying upwards. And in the same breath, Jesus reminds us of our Father who art in heaven, of his nature. He says, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Now, maybe an easier way to understand that, because um, I don't use hallowed in a lot of sentences or conversations, maybe a way that we can understand it is, holy is your name. Holy is your name. Remember, God is holy in our prayers, which is awesome to think about because God is distinctively different than you and I. You and I are not holy. We are made holy through the blood of the Lamb. But we are human. We are carnal. God comes from a different DNA source that in him, holiness, he's totally pure and he's totally unique. And, and it's something that is a divine quality holiness so in layman's terms god is not like us 
And that is so powerful when we pray. I'm so glad that when I pray that I am not praying to somebody who is like me. When I am in my moments of hurt and my moments of distress and my moments when I'm crying out from the depths of my heart that my hope is not on earthly things. My hope is not on things of this world or earthly powers or anything this earth can provide. That my hope is not on things that I look to the left or things that I look to the right or I look to the, the, the past or I look to the future or the present. My hope is in none of those things. My hope is uh, in the God above, the God who is upward, the God who is heaven, in heaven, the God who is holy above all things. I lift my eyes up to the heavens. Where does my hope come from? My hope comes from the Lord, right? The maker of heaven and earth. I'm so glad that when things get tough, that you and I can look upwards to a higher power, to a God who is unlike anything that you and I know. A God who doesn't read doctor's reports. Amen? A God who doesn't accept doctor's reports. A God who says, you know what? You might be reading this and you might be diagnosed like this, but I have a different plan. I am above those things. I'm so glad that when you and I pray that we have a God who has more resources than my checking account balance. Oh, I thought I'd get a big amen there. thought everybody in the house would be like, man, I am so glad that God is the one who provides my needs. Right? Not PNC Bank. Right? I'm so glad that God disregards human understanding and human thinking and human wisdom and in his omniscience says, you know what, I can make ways where there are no ways. I am the God who does that. I am the God that is holy above all things that you know. I'm all present. I'm all knowing. And yes, I am all powerful. I'm so thankful that you and I can pray to a God who is faithful to a thousand generations. He's faithful to our kids and to our kids' kids. I'm so glad that you and I can pray to a God who we know as Abba. He is our Father. And he never ever leaves us nor forsakes us. A God who promises that he who began a good work in us will be faithful and just to carry it out unto completion. I'm so thankful that when you and I pray, that we pray upward unto the Lord. When we look upward, we're reminded... I guess we're reminded that we need to yield ourselves to who God is. That's why Jesus says next, as you're praying upward, you're praying to God in heaven, hallowed be your name, he says, it's your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know what that means? That means you and I have to become less and God has to become more. We're praying what Jesus prayed before the cross, not my will, but your will be done. 
That's what Jesus is saying. This is how you and I should pray. We should pray not for our wants, our needs, but for what God wants in our situation. Oh, trust me, I let God know what I want and what I need. And I call it like I see it, but I'm limited in my knowledge. I'm limited in my, my resources. I don't always know what God is doing. In fact, rarely do I know, right? I just know the next step. Just know the next step. Just follow God step by step. You know, we fill our lives so many times with what we want. And so many times we, we miss what God wants. We studied this extensively in our, our um, series on Jonah. And you guys know the heartache that was in Jonah's life. You guys can go back on our podcast and um, listen to that. And uh, for a refresher course, I'm throwing in a shameless plug. All right, go to our podcast. But Jonah, man, Jonah went through the ringer there. Jonah, Jonah ran from God and almost lost his life on the open ocean there. And then he was swallowed by a giant fish. And then he was coughed up and regurgitated and all of that. And, but, and, and after four chapters of Jonah, he's miserable at the end. But if Jonah would have just prayed one prayer, not my will, but your will, how much different would his life have been? How much joy would he have had when he saw, yes, my will was lacking, but it's God's will. I wanted this, but I'm yielding to God's will, and God's plan was so much better. Right? How much better would his life have been if he just would have yielded? We need to constantly pray that way, church. Pray that it's not our will, but it's God's will. Pray that God's kingdom comes in. God's kingdom moves. Not our kingdom. Not our wants. Jesus tells us first that we need to pray upward. Secondly, he says this. He says we need to, Jesus points us inward. Not only does Jesus point us upward, he points us inward. And he says, hey, it's okay to pray in an inward direction, to pray for yourself. So after we pray for God's will, for God's kingdom, he says, you know what? Praying for yourself is not a bad thing. It's not a sin. Woo! I'm glad for that. I pray for myself a lot. Right? You guys pray for your own selves a lot? Right? You guys raise kids, right? Like, Lord, give me some patience today. Right? Don't let me, don't, don't let me you know, have triple homicide today. Right? Like, don't let me kill kids. Right? God, give me... Just, just an ounce of peace. Jesus prays in verse 11. He says this. Give us today our daily bread. I want you to know that the Lord is concerned about you on a daily, uh, I guess on a, he's concerned about you daily. Let's just say that. It's easier. He cares about you each and every single day. The Lord is providing for you. And I always thought, you know, I don't pray about these little things. I only pray about the big things, you know, like pray for world peace and 
wars in Russia and Ukraine and all this. Pray for all these big things. And oftentimes I don't always take time to pray for daily things. But the Lord says, no, the, God cares just about those as much as he cares about everything else. Our God is a God of detail. And he cares about us and our small things just as much as our big things. Our daily bread. And he tells us, I guess, in two ways how we can pray for ourselves. He breaks it down physically. Give us our day, our daily bread. Bread is something that you and I need every day. We need substance. But he says there's nothing wrong with us praying for ourselves physically. Praying for our own needs to be met. Our own nourishment. We can pray for our own healing. In fact, the Bible again and again and again tells us that he is our source. He's our source in life for everything. He's our source for meeting all of our physical needs. Just a few scriptures. Jeremiah 17, 14. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved. For you are the one that I praise. So Jeremiah recognized that God healed. Jeremiah 30, 17. But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord. Isaiah 40, verse 29. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the power of the weak. Amen. Sometimes I pray that prayer. Lord, give me strength. Uh, because God is our source and God is our, uh, our provider, he gives us wonderful promises like Philippians 4.19. My God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He'll meet all of our needs. So, so quit worrying about your bank accounts or quit worrying about your job security or quit worrying about this or that because God is the one who meets our needs. And he does it against the bank account of all of his riches and glory, which is quite extensive. The last time I read the Bible, right? The last time I read Revelation. And we understood that the Lamb is overcome, right? And the Lamb sits on the throne forever and ever, right? His riches and His glory know no end. And He meets our needs according to that. David himself, King David, testifies in Psalm 37, 25. And he writes this as an, as an old man, much like myself. I just turned 49. That's it, thank you. Right? Say, so, yeah, you young buck, 49. So, I've, I've what, 20 some years to catch you, Lee. Right? I'm already getting the AARP mail in, in my mailbox. What's up with that? Just waiting for my discounts to start rolling in. David in his old age, he writes this. I was young and now I'm old. So he has some experience on, on himself. He says, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen it. In all of my days, I've never seen God not take care of his children. 
of their children begging bread. It's never happened. I am in the same boat. The older I get, the more I see God's faithfulness to his people. We can pray for our physical needs, but God also spends the majority of this next passage talking about praying for our spiritual needs. He said, give us this day our daily bread, but he also says, and forgive us our debts. And a debt is something that is owed, something that must be paid back. You and I think about the word debt, and we usually think of something monetary. Right? It's money. This is money that I owe somewhere. But the Bible doesn't use the word debt like that. The Bible uses the word debt, and it refers to sometimes a sin, a trespass, shortcomings, resentments, um, things that we owe God. Anything that we've done wrong is considered a debt in the Bible. So Jesus tells us that you and I should pray that our sins be forgiven. Sometimes on a daily, on a daily schedule. I know I probably sin on a daily schedule. Right? You guys didn't have to all agree with that. Right? Yeah, amen, Pastor. You do sin on a daily schedule. Right? I've witnessed that. Right? We all sin more than we probably think or realize or know. So when I ask for forgiveness daily, ask for forgiveness. And you know what? I know we ask for forgiveness sometimes, and we keep asking for forgiveness because we don't feel like God hurt us the first time. Right? We say, man, God, I, I blew it here. I'm going to ask for forgiveness a hundred times. Right? About it. But 1 John 8, 9 says this, it reassures us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Which means God forgives our sins. Which is great to think about. Because you and I, uh, we don't forgive as easy as God. Right? And sometimes when we're laterally and we think, Man, I'm really sorry. Man, I really messed that up. Okay, well, there's a healing process in time that that's going to take place to actually be forgiven and healed. Right? Most of the time, we're not just forgiven overnight. But with God, it is. God forgives us completely. All we have to do is confess. And he is faithful to do our part. Jesus also tags in this a second way that we can pray for our spiritual man. Not just pray for forgiveness, but pray that the Lord leads us not into temptation. I'm sorry, pray to the Lord that we are not led into temptation. Temptation lurks around us all the time. Temptation seems like it's, you know, on every sidewalk corner, just waiting on us. We have to first realize, you know, it's not God who tempts us. God doesn't tempt us. James makes it clear when he says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. 
Well, then, how are we tempted? Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and are enticed. So if I read that right, you and I tempt ourselves. Go figure, we're the problem. <laughs> I never saw that one coming. <laughs> right? We're the problem. And Jesus, when he's praying and he's teaching us to pray, Jesus knows that we're the problem. Right? He knows that you and I, as humans, are prone to temptation, and it just comes from within us. Sometimes I think, I don't know. I was going to say, sometimes I think my temptation comes from my, my wife, who this past week and all of Christmas has cooked hundreds of cookies. Hundreds. And laid them out like in every room of our house. And I cannot stop myself. Right? We tempt ourselves. But Jesus tells us that we need to pray for ourselves. And he says, pray in a way that, that we pray that God leads us away from temptation. You know what? We can pray for a higher standard for ourselves. How many times do we ever pray a higher standard? God, help me to be better than I am right now. Help me to get this out of my life or get this out of my system. We can pray that way. We should pray that way because Jesus directs us to. We should always pray that God leads us not into our own paths that tempt us, but into right paths. And then he says, and he tags this as the third way we can pray for our spiritual man. He says in the second half of verse 13, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. See, sometimes you and I, we fall into sin. We fall into temptation. And unfortunately, that sin takes a root in our life. You know, sometimes we sin and we're like, God, I'm sorry. And we just wash our hands of it and we're done with it. And we don't ever struggle with that sin again. Right? It's like that one time you say something to your wife that you know you shouldn't have said. And then the rest of your life you're like, I ain't going down that road again. <laughs> right? Not a good road to go down. Right? So, sometimes it works like that. Sometimes we're like, oh man, I sinned. We ask for forgiveness, God does it. Uh, but other times, you know what? Sin comes in in a way that it takes root in our life and it becomes habitual sin. It becomes addictive sin. And it becomes something that you and I will struggle with for, for extended periods of time. Longer than God ever intended us to struggle with. And it becomes burdensome, and it becomes hard, and it becomes difficult. And I think this is what Jesus has in mind when he says, but deliver us from the evil one. The word deliver here is resai. Hopefully I pronounced that right. It's a, it means to rescue. How many of you guys know that you need rescued out of your sin? 
rescue, the term rescue brings with it this idea that we are in grave danger. That we are at high risk. And God says that when we pray, we need to pray to a God who rescues us from the evil one. He rescues us out of that sin, out of that habitual sin. And so today, if you're here, I want you to know if you're struggling with something, God can rescue you out of it. Completely. Just because you failed three months ago and you failed two months ago and you failed one month ago and you failed last week and you pray each time and, and you keep, I want you to know God is the one who rescues us. He pulls us out of it when we can't pull ourselves out of it. The last direction that I want to talk about today, not only does God point us upward and inward, but lastly, he points us outward. And he makes it a point to tell us that our prayer should be focused on others. Well, yeah, man, that's so easy, isn't it? Right? I pray for other people, right? We do that every week in church. We pray for other people. In fact, I make a living out of praying for other people, right? We just pray for other people. That's part of it, right? It's easy to pray for other people. How many of you guys all pray for other people, right? We all pray for other people, right? Good, so we can check that off. But Jesus doesn't just tell us to pray for other people. He has to get specific about it. And he tells us exactly who we should pray for. And in verse 12, if we backpedal just a little bit, he says, forgive us our debts. So it's okay to pray for our forgiveness. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Which means Jesus wants us to pray for a targeted audience of people that you and I probably don't want to pray for. Right? Because it says debtors. Right? When you and I sin, we owe God a debt. Correct? But our debtors are people that owe us. A debt because they have sinned against us or they've caused us pain or they've disrespected us or they've offended us or they've hurt us in such a deep manner that we're they, they owe us that's what Jesus is saying here that is the group of people that you are supposed to pray for and that's hard because I don't want to pray for those people. Right? I'd rather pray for a Green Bay Packers fan. And that's hard. Hard to do, right? I'm convinced, church, that one of the greatest diseases on the face of the planet is cancer. And cancer, the... the uh, the potential for cancer, I guess, lies in each and every single person. I guess we all carry cells that are potentially cancerous. 
right? Uh, uh, cancer starts with cells that are defunct, that are doing their own thing against the system. And so with, in all of us, we have a potential for cancer, but cancer starts out like a very small thing within our own bodies, and it just grows and grows and grows until, guess what, it consumes the entire host and kills it. And I am convinced that unforgiveness is a cancer to our soul. When we do not learn to forgive, it starts out small, but it grows and grows until it consumes us. In fact, um, there's other parts of Scripture that, that, uh, that teach us about this. I was she, she's fallen. But the Bible tells us that it's impossible. It's impossible for us to love God and have hatred for our brother. It's impossible to do it. 1 John 4.20 For whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have seen. Have not seen. That's probably more accurate. Oh, this is serious, folks, because what it's telling us is that when we do not forgive others, that we are potentially destroying ourselves, our own spiritual selves, in our own walk with God. The author of Hebrews recognizes this in Hebrews 12, 15 encourages us to live a life of peace with all men. And it says, so that no bitter root grows up and causes trouble and defiles many. See, that's how it works. Like a root that grows and grows. I said earlier that, you know, you are never more connected to God and to other people than when you pray. And I think that is true. But let me also say this. You are never more like God than when you choose to forgive other people. You are never more like God than when you choose to love them. And Jesus feels so strongly about this point that he ends his prayer, but then he still keeps talking about it. I think that this is a dad-like quality. My kids call me out on this all the time. They say, Dad, you've made your point. Why do you keep going on and on? I'm looking at my kids back there right now, waiting for an acknowledgement. They say, okay, Dad, you know, be quiet now. We get your point. Why do you keep drilling it in? Well, sons, today you have your answer. Because I want to be like Jesus. Right? Jesus did it. Jesus ends his prayer. But then 
he doesn't end his prayer. And he keeps going on and on after it. He says in verse 14, If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. And so that's a heavy, heavy burden to think about. That if we don't pray outwardly, it affects our prayers inwardly and most importantly, upwardly. And so you and I need to learn to pray three ways in balance with each other. We pray upward, we pray inward, and we pray outward. I'm going to ask Courtney if you would come to the piano. And as we begin to wind up today, you know what? I just want to take the next few minutes to pray in those ways. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today as we just begin to conclude? Jesus encourages us to pray outward. And maybe you're here today and maybe you're in a relationship that's strained. Maybe there's someone out there where maybe you haven't totally forgiven them. I'm going to ask you to do something revolutionary that Jesus told us to do. And to pray for yourself to forgive them. And I know it's hard. Maybe you don't want to. And I've been there. I've been in that place where... God, I know I need to forgive them, but I'm just not quite there yet. Then you know what? You have to change your mind and change your attitude. And I think the best way to do that is just pray for that other person God's blessing. And I've done this in my own life. God, I don't understand and I'm, I, I, I'm still struggling with that person. But God, you know what that person needs. They're still your child. Speak to them and do something in their life. And draw them closer unto you. And begin to say, God, I don't want, I don't want pain to come on them. I don't want destruction to come upon them. So Lord, would you turn their hearts towards you? And pray blessings into their life. Say, God, I pray that your presence is with them. Lord, I pray for, Lord, that root that gets into all of our lives, that root of unforgiveness, Lord, where we have issues and we have problems and Lord we're just we just we know there's a hurdle in front of us Lord that we just can't jump and we're just not ready to to 
to jump and we're not ready to try. God, I pray that's when you soften our hearts. And you allow us to have a healing moment. Where we say, God, change, change them, but change me. Lord also challenged us to pray, not just outwardly, but inwardly. To pray for ourselves and to pray for our needs. And some of us are so good at praying and we're, we're, we're intercessors. We're, you know, we pray for everyone and sometimes we forget to pray for ourselves. That God speaks to us and that God sustains us. Would you right now in this house pray unto God pray your heart pray your biggest your biggest needs whether that be a salvation of a loved one whether that be a healing from the past, whether that be a miracle that needs to happen in your life. Maybe your biggest need is just stress from your job, stress from life, stress from trying to pay the bills. Tell the Lord what you need right now. God, we need you. We need you in this place. Now in this moment, I think I think I want to end on a song, Courtney. Maybe, maybe if the rest of the worship team could could join us here. I want to I want to sing that song again. But church, if you would stand with me today, the Lord encouraged us to pray one last way. So we we pray outwardly and we pray inwardly. But Jesus says, "Hey, pray upwardly." Lift your eyes up to the heavens. Lift your eyes up here. Because when you, when you have your eyes out here and you're looking laterally, so many times we get caught on all the variables. And Satan likes to puff up like he's big and he's bad. And sometimes the odds don't look in our favor. Sometimes our situations look bleak. But guess what? Jesus says, look up. Look up to the heavens. Look up unto me. 
because I'm a God who is holy above all of that. I'm above everything. And so today, I, I just feel like maybe it's proper to sing this that song, um, you know, the forever, forever, there it is. I'm going to get the name. But, you know, the Lamb is overcome. And as we're worshiping, would you take your prayer requests and would you lift them up to the heavens? Can we do that today, church? Let's just sing this as way of benediction today. Lord, we just praise you in this place, God. Lord, we lift up you today. Lord, our eyes are focused on you. God, you're so worthy. Lord, you've overcome everything. Every battle, every, every struggle. The morning sun give it to you. Did. The Savior of the world was fallen. His body on the cross, his blood poured out for us. The weight of every curse upon me.
on the cross, Lord, and Lord, you paid every debt. Lord, every sin that we could ever possibly commit was bought and paid for right there on the cross. Lord, that your shed blood covers all of it. And it pays it in full. God, thank you that you've overcome. You've overcome death in Hades. You've overcome the curse of sin. So, God, that we might be forgiven. So that we might be healed. So that we might come to know you as Abba, Father. Lord, help us to always remember to pray upward, inward, and outward. Now, God, we give you glory for the things that you've done. For the healings that have taken place today within us. Lord, for the 
burdens that we've carried that have been lifted. God, we thank you and we praise you. Now, God, we go from this place and we go out into our normal lives and our work weeks. Lord, help us to pray daily. Help us to daily seek you. Help us to daily read your word and daily call out for our provision. But most of all, just daily, Lord, let us recognize our need for you. That we need you. Not just today, but every day. Every day we need you. Now, Lord, we cement this in stone by saying, Amen. Amen. Let it be. Let it be. To God be the glory. Amen. Church, this new year as we enter into 2023, 2023, let's make this a year of prayer. Amen. Amen. Go out from this place praying unto the Lord. Amen. You guys are dismissed. Go in the grace of God. Uh, we'll see you back here uh, Wednesday nights and then also next Sunday morning. God bless you guys today.